0: So, tomorrow, if you come, tonight, whatever, in your prayers, in your dreams, in your thoughts of him, just rejoice. Have fun. And one thing I'm going to do, I started looking for it today on the website, I'm going to find a website and get a joke a day. I'm going to find something that gives a joke a day into my email to remind me of Doug. You know, I won't get a joke a day from Doug now, so I'm going to get it somewhere. And that'll be reminding me of him in my life and to keep that humor alive. I tend to be rather serious in this world if I'm not careful. I tend to get caught up in the details and caught up in the seriousness and caught up in the doing, making sure everything gets done and staying present and focused with people and situations and whatever you know so God gave me Brian <laughs> <laughs> serious what do you mean serious <laughs> Where are, you all at? Yeah. <laughs> are you laughing at me or with him <laughs> so I guess God gave me a different dog in my life. But I'm also going to do that because I just want another way of remembering him, to keep him alive, to keep that in mind. Because, you know, it's easy after a while to forget, to forget a friend, even though it may have been the most dear friend. After a while you can forget a parent who died, that you talked to every day or you loved very much. All of a sudden one day there's this day where all of a sudden you live it through and you go, oh, my God, I never didn't think about him today at all. And then a week goes by, and then you find out again, oh, I didn't think about them for the whole week. I can't believe that. And I know that's going to happen with Doug, too. That's, that's inevitable. We go on as they go on. But I'm going to go ahead and, and do that as well, just to, to keep that quality of his humor, his presence, to remind me, keep it light, keep it joyful. You've got to laugh at things. Don't take it so serious. And so I would invite you to just find how you would want to keep that essence of Doug, that living, loving essence of the Lord that lived in Doug's body, that soul that shared the humor of God, the fun of God, the laughter of God, alive in you. That's what he gave me. I met him in 1984, and it was actually on my birthday, May 2nd. I had gone to Egypt... In March, and I met John Roger, who became my spiritual teacher, and who was Doug's spiritual teacher. I got back into Austin, and I wanted to find a, a group. I, I thought, Gosh, if I could just find the group now that is a part of this. So I called Los Angeles, where the offices were, and I said, Oh yeah, I'll call contact this guy Doug Godby, and and he has seminars you can go over and attend, and. So I called him up and found out where he lived. And on my birthday, I went over and attended a, a tape seminar that he was giving. And I walked in, and, and nobody else was there yet. I was the first one. I, I wanted to be later, so I wouldn't be the first one in. But there I was, the first one. And uh, so we sat down, and we started talking. And, and right away, Doug was telling jokes. I mean, have you heard this one? You know, I wish, I wish, I wish I could remember jokes. I remember them for a split second, and then I lose it. But I truly enjoy, in the moment, whatever that joke is and the laughter that comes from it. And as soon as he realized I was going to laugh at his jokes, (laughs) if other people hadn't showed up for seminar, I'm sure it would have been joke night. (laughs) Because he found somebody he could get to, to laugh with him. And so we laughed and laughed and people came in and he told a couple of more jokes and then we went on into the rest of the evening. And that's how I was introduced to him. And that's how I always knew him. And how I will always remember him. And that first day where I met him. Now you'll probably hear this story tomorrow. I don't know if I get up and share. I'm sure I will share it in some way. Uh, but I also have a memory that I... I will not share tomorrow, but I've shared it with you now about the green pasture, the green field. That I'm not going to share with everybody because that's sacred. For our community, it's fine to share it because you will understand it, you will honor it, you will love it, and you'll even use that to your own awareness to sit down and meditate. It reminds you sit down, meditate. You want to go home to God too. I want to see you running in those fields up there too. The more I see you running through those fields, the more I'm getting done. The freer I'm getting to eventually go home as well. So I would like to see you all running up there tomorrow. I don't want you to just drop dead. (laughs) I'm not saying that. You don't have to drop physically dead, but I would love to see you all running through those fields tomorrow on the inner levels and know it consciously while you're in your physical form. So we could go ahead and start the party now rather than do it at a funeral home and have them wonder, what's wrong with this group? (laughs) They're happy, they're laughing, they're rejoicing in this guy's death. I don't like this, (laughs) which they might. One other experience I had, and I've shared it some, but I think it's appropriate tonight to share, where I had a similar experience was when my mother died. My mother died in uh, 1981, January 2nd of 1981. And um, I had left her in the hospital on the on the 1st and came back home because I had to go to work on the 2nd. I, In the middle of the night, about 4 uh, o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning, the phone rang. And the hospital said that I needed to get there right away, that she had taken a turn for the worst. And so I um, got in my car and was driving down to San Antonio, and when I got to Onion Creek, in that area, uh, John Roger, my spiritual teacher, came in on one side, and Jesus came in on the other, and I I knew them both. uh, I I didn't know John Roger by name, because I hadn't met him yet. I met him in '84, but I I knew him, because he often would take me places inside, and here was Jesus as well. And uh, Jesus said to me, he said, your mother's already left the body, and she's doing well. And then he stopped for a moment, and it kind of all collected and hit me, and I cried a little bit, and, and then I calmed down. And, and uh, then uh, uh, John Roger, the, the, the spiritual being on my right side, said, um, She's doing really well. She's fine, and uh, we're here just to be with you in this process. And then Jesus said, and what would you like us to do right now for you? And I looked at both of them. I said, well, she won't know you, saying to John Roger. But I said, she'll know you, Jesus. Could you go and take her hand and just take her as high as you can take her? And he did. Off he went. (laughs) So I'm sitting there driving along, talking to John Roger on the way into San Antonio and we're just having a good time and we're not really talking about my mother we're talking about different things in the spirit that I had been witnessing and experiencing recently that he, some of you had taken me to and other teachers as well and then all of a sudden here comes Jesus with my mother you know and they come in and and my mom and I drive you know for 45 minutes talking all the way down to San Antonio and we get to the city limits sign and my mom looks and she goes, oh, I'm not going back to that city anymore. i got to go. And so Jesus comes closer to take her and he takes her hand and she says, you know I love you, don't you? And I said, yeah, I know and I love you too. And off they go and and then they stop. They're kind of a ways off in the distance and they stop and mom turns around and she says, wait a minute. You know I'm happy, don't you? And you know he's going to take me to a wonderful place, don't you? And Jesus said, You know that. She's going to the green pastures. So I knew she was going to go to Seoul. And uh, my mom didn't know what that meant. But um, she said, so if you know I'm happy tomorrow at my funeral, no, at my funeral, not tomorrow, but at my funeral, I want you to smile for me and even have a laugh for me. I want you to let people know I'm happy and that they should be happy for me too. I said, Mom, (laughs) that's not fair. This is a funeral. Everybody's going to be crying and sad. She said, not you. If you're sad, you have no right to be. Look at me. I'm happy. I'm smiling. I'm going to a green pasture. And she said, you do that for me. I said, okay, Mom, I will. And I did. And my brother came up and said, are you really okay? Do you, do you need to see a doctor or anything? <laughs> my dad came up and said, son, you know, could you calm it down a little bit? <laughs> because I was smiling, I was laughing, I was having a, a wonderful time with people. I was doing it for my mom. Inside, I was sad. I didn't want to say goodbye to that body in the, in the coffin. But at the same time, I knew that she wasn't even there. She wasn't even around. And, and I knew she where she was, and I knew she was happy. So I, I had to be happy for her. And I'll do that for Doug tomorrow, too, because I truly know where he is. I know he's happy. And I know he lost a lot of weight. It's the best diet around. I, he recommended it highly. i will have to start a new diet. The Instant Weight Loss Program. Take one last breath, and, <laughs> <laughs> and you're weightless. <laughs> Part, weight yeah, the soul weight program. <laughs> so, that's my sharing tonight. I, I wanted to share that with you, and um, and I'm sure maybe Brian might have something to share as well. But um, it's, this has been a most blessed experience this last few days. And uh, and then yesterday, uh, a few of us went to see *Polar Express*, which was something uh, we did again last year, and it just brought to life again the rejoicing. And um, there was one line in the in the movie that I saw yesterday, *The Polar Express*, that I don't know I heard the year before. It's funny you go back to the next and see it again. You see more, you hear more. And uh, the little boy was getting off the train as he was going back home after going to the North Pole. And uh, the conductor said um, something to the effect of, you know, it wasn't about uh, you getting on the train. It was about the choice. And that's really what it is. It's a choice. Every day, what are you choosing to do? How are you choosing to spend your time, your focus, your attention, your life? What are your choices? It's the choices that get you where you want to go. It wasn't getting on the train that got him to the North Pole. It was the choice to get on the train that got him there. Are you choosing to meditate every day? Are you choosing to live the actions of loving, forgiveness, and acceptance? Are you choosing to live in action rather than reaction? How are you choosing? What are you choosing? Pay attention to those choices because that's really the key. It's not not the action of getting on the train. It's having made the choice to get on the train that made the difference for the little boy, and it's going to make the difference in how you live your life. You're the one in charge because you're making the choices. You may not be aware of it, So then I would say wake up and pay attention and see what the choices are that you're making every day and begin to make new ones if you don't like the choices you're making. You're the creator of your own karma. You're the creator of your own destiny. You're the creator of your situations right now. If you don't like it, make new choices. Don't wait for somebody else to do it for you because believe me, they're not going to do it. They're waiting for you to do it for them. And you're not going to do it for them either, are you? So realize it's up to you to do it for you. Do it. And one choice I would really highly recommend, tithe to God every day. Tithe in some way. Meditate every day. Let those names of initiation live in you and through you every day. Not just in your meditation time, But every minute of every day that you do not have to be focused mentally on something, then let your mind hold its attention on the name of God and let it go over and over inside. I do it while I'm driving. I do it a lot, all day long. Lately, I've been starting to cook at home again. And it's interesting. I forgot that when I used to cook, (laughs) I would be cutting up salad stuff or preparing meat or just whatever, and I'd be just chanting the name of God, and that love would be going into the food as I was doing it. I, I, didn't, I wasn't even aware that that's what I was doing all those years when I was cooking all those meals until just recently when I was doing this, just the last few uh, days, really. And all of a sudden I went, oh, my gosh, all the love I was putting in the food just by chanting the name of God while I was doing it. And, and all of a sudden, it brought back the joy of cooking again, which I'm sure is making du- uh, uh, Doug, <laughs> Brian happy that uh, that's happening too. <laughs> so, we got time. You want to share?
1: Well, it's always interesting for me around situations, especially, I don't know how much more of a sensitive situation that there is in life, you know, around death. I mean, around birthing, there's always such a joy. But when it comes to death, it seems like it's opposite in this world. It's more the sorrow. And it's really neat to have the different perspective that we have in here as far as our viewing point of how we perceive and, and look at the process of dying here physically. But I'm always very sensitive to the process of what's going on with other people emotionally and mentally and whatever that is internally. And I have a tendency inside of myself to become very still and quiet, because I don't want to disturb whatever that sensitivity is, because I know people are already going through enough, as it is, with dealing with their own process internally with what's going on externally out here. And that's also part of the blessing of doing the meditation, though, where we can begin to wake up and become more aware of that action that is going on spiritually, such as what you've heard Jim share this evening. And in that process, I'm aware that it helps me to move beyond just this dynamic in this world so that I truly can live in that greater joy. And so as we were at the hospital on Saturday all day long, I find myself in this very quiet, still place where I did not really say much. But one thing that was really interesting for me the whole day long is that I stayed open and vulnerable to the loving inside. I, myself, did not close down into my emotions, or hurt, or pain, or sorrow. And it was such an incredibly uplifting, joyful experience for me, because I know that as I stayed vulnerable and open to that movement of loving within me, it just kept on flowing. And if anything, the longer I stayed in it, the more I was lifted. I had so many people asking me, how are you doing? How are you doing? Because I'd been there all day long. And the more of the time went by, my physical body got a little bit tired, but the spirit I was just charged, energized. Just such a wonderful state of beingness. And that was really my blessing in that day, through this process, is really being in that state of grace, just a beingness. And I find it interesting, even in the meditations that we do in here, I quite often use the word the beingness, go into the beingness, and just be in the loving. And we quite often hear in this world about doing and about being. And I love that phrase, peace be still and know that I am. And I've been becoming more and more aware as I have experiences such as this in the world around me, that when I do go to that still sensitive place to honor the space around me that is sensitive, that it is truly me coming into that stillness where I can be still and know that I am know that I am that beingness of loving, in that oneness, with the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so I found myself living that all day long on Saturday, and then into the next day on Sunday when we had our Christmas party over at the house. I was just amazed at how well I was doing, and then going to the movie The Polar Express last night. It's just continuing on and on, and then coming to class here tonight. It's just giving me physical opportunity after opportunity to stay present in that beingness, in that flow, to stay open and vulnerable to that movement of loving. And that's why I'm grateful to have the physical circumstances that give me the opportunity to really keep that door open inside, to keep this door, this spiritual doorway open, and not let it close down. Because I find, especially, in the world around me when there is sensitive things especially around the dying process that it's too easy in those situations to let that door close and as that door closes I know what happens I feel it I'm a real feeler and I can feel that door close and when it does I feel something shut down inside of me and I can feel myself sink and start to go down and start to feel the pain the sorrow of the world and all that goes on and when I say the world I don't mean just physically I'm talking the mind and the emotions as well when I say the world. And so I'm really sensitive to that process inside of myself and also outside of me with what's going on with others. But I've learned that if I can keep that door open inside of me, I can still stay in that place of loving. And then as I'm in that place, it is such an incredible experience to be with others as they're in their process. And I know that as I can stay in that loving place, that it also gives the opportunity for others to tap into that beingness. All we need is some type of example, or reference point, to know what that is within ourselves. Because once we get a taste of it, once we know what it looks like, sounds like, or feels like, we can begin to build that within ourselves, to find the way to keep opening that, to have more and more of that experience of that beingness, of that loving. And so I found it a joyful process for me to be in that place, to experience person after person coming through all day long into the hospital, into the room, and that even in the tears, as Jim was sharing, that sometimes the tears may look like they're sorrowful, but yet there's a great joy, or what I experienced was a great depth of love through those tears. I love crying, and I love laughing. And I find that in the laughter or the crying, That is quite often the moments where I experience that greater depth of that loving because it's usually through those expressions I have found where people become more open and vulnerable. To me, that is the opening. When we cry, it is the opening and allowing that energy of loving to move. And if we call it sorrow, allowing that energy of sorrow to move because right behind that sorrow is the loving. It is there. We just have to allow ourselves to look and to experience that. Or the laughter, just as we found on Saturday, there was lots of tears, but also lots of laughter. I couldn't believe how much laughter there was. It was amazing, even to see his son crying one moment and then laughing the next. Seeing Raquel, his wife, crying and then laughing and making jokes. Everybody coming through there, the same type of process. It was absolutely amazing. And that, to me, is that state of openness and vulnerability. And that, to me, is those who know what that is and are choosing into that, Getting on the train of loving. What did they used to call that dance show years ago when I was younger, the soul train? (laughs) And for those of you that have seen the movie Polar Express, that's what that symbolizes to me, of getting on the soul train, just simply making the choice. And truly, that choice to me is getting on that audible life stream, the soul train, that pathway, if you will, that takes us back into that loving beingness. And all we have to do is make the choice to get on, and then the train takes us. We just get on and go for the ride. And that's what I find in the meditation practice, is getting on the train to go for the ride. And once we're on the train, even once we open our eyes up and are done with the meditation time, but as we go throughout the day, we can still be on that train and continue to ride that essence of loving throughout the day. And that's where I am grateful for the physical opportunities to really be in the greater fullness, all of that spirit within me. And it is around these processes around birthing and dying that offer that greater opportunity that I have found. But I found that if I can have that experience, all of that greater depth of loving through those processes, I now have a reference point. And that's all I need. And that, as I refer back to, as I reference that point of loving, that all I do is open inside of me to reference that. I always talk about the inner door, of opening that door, the spiritual eye. And as I do that, just by remembering, having that reference can open that doorway to allow that experience that I experienced then to come present now, to be present right here and now. And that's the true living spirit. That's living the beingness of loving. It's not a memory. All the memory did was help it was like a key, it helped to open the door so that I could live that experience here and now. And that is the key. Do whatever that takes to open that door so that you can live that beingness here and now. Whether it is chanting the names of God or if it is simply remembering an experience in your life where you really had that inner awareness and the fullness of that experience of that depth of loving. That's where memories can serve us well if we use them as keys to open that door so that we can experience that divine presence here and now. And so all day long on Saturday, every single person that I came into contact with was that reference point for me, was that key that helped me to keep that door open. It's like putting a foot in the door so the door couldn't even close anymore. And so I got to be in that for hours on end. And some of you that have gone to retreats or day-long programs, you know that when you've been in that energy for an extended period of time, it builds. We go into that greater depth, that greater bliss, that greater experience. And then even when we leave that training or that retreat, it goes with us for hours or days later, and we know what that experience is. But then what is it we can do in everyday life to continue that process so that we tap into it every day? And that's where Jim was just referring, tithe every day, meditate every day to God. That's our own mini-retreat. That's how we open the door for ourselves every day so that we can carry that into the day and truly see every physical opportunity, every person we meet as another opportunity to open that door of loving, to be in that place of vulnerability. Even when somebody else around us may seem cold or hard or closed down, that we feel ourselves shut off around, we don't need to shut off inside of ourselves. We can keep that door open. We can stay on inside even when the world around us is closing in on us. Because truly our beingness cannot be shut off. But in this physical body, we have this mechanism that we call free choice. That we in our consciousness can choose to close that door so that we experience the pressures, the suffocation of the world, or the simple choice to open that door that we experience the expansion, the joy, the freedom, and the bliss of living that beingness where there is no separation, where there is no closed doors. And the funny thing is, when that door opens and we allow that to live in us and through us, we will experience that oneness with that light in all being. And we will even see that truth even in those people where we experience them as shutting the door for themselves, we will be able to see how they do that in themselves, but yet we also see the truth that that is just an illusion, that it just simply looks or feels like that door is shut. But in truth, it's not. It's just that us in our own little minuscule consciousness think or feel that it is. But if we allow ourselves to awaken to that greater truth, we come into the real, true knowing and that greater self, that there is no separation, there truly is no closed doors. It's just a place of beingness, a place of oneness. And so to me, to hear the stories like what we share and what has been shared around Doug's process, in one sense there might have been a dying, there was physically, but the greater truth is there was another birth. There's the birthing process. Isn't it interesting, like I seen earlier, That is, there's a birth in this world, there seems to be such great joy around it. Well, the same is true in spirit. There's a great joy. There's a great celebration of that birthing into the spirit as we pass from this world into the next. And so why not tap into that joy, that rejoicing, enjoy the process of the new birth, that birthing in the spirit where there is the greater freedom. And to me, even at Cape, Doug was holding didn't you say it was white or was there a color or no, I don't know?
0: It was actually a bright red. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll
1: leave the symbolism alone because there always is something there. I don't want to go into that because I don't want to take it in the mind. But I, to me, I kept seeing white because of the symbolism of the freedom of spirit, the purity of spirit, and that freedom and that Superman type of thing where we can truly fly, where there is no gravity called karma, to hold us down. And that's what it meant to me, the freedom of being able to fly free of the weight of the world so we truly are free in the soul and can truly not only run through the green pastures but fly through them. Because I know that to be true, and you may too. But if not, hearing stories like this give us the vision to tap into, to reference into, to open a door within ourselves so that we too can step into that to experience it ourselves, because that's truly what we all want, even if we don't know it. Most of you here come here because you do know that's what you want, consciously. And you are taking those steps to do that. Keep taking the steps. You're getting your running starts so you can take off, and that you can fly free. And it really is a joyful process. Some of you may have already experienced that, and that may be the very thing that keeps motivating you to keep doing this practice. Some of you maybe haven't taken off yet, but you hear the stories. It may sound wonderful, you may think it's wonderful, and that may be your motivation. Whatever your motivation is, is all good. Whatever your motivation is, is what works for you, and that's what's important. Use whatever that is to give you that momentum, to give you the enthusiasm, so that you can get that running start to take flight, to let the soul fly free. So use all these stories. Use all these experiences. If you don't have them yourself, take in what is shared from other people. Use their experiences to begin to ignite that spark of freedom within yourself. And then ride that spark. Ride that freedom. Because that spark will turn into a great flame. That was quick. (laughs) It's really fun when there's just a flow in the words and all of a sudden it's done. I guess in a way it was kind of quick like Doug's process. It was just done. And I just enjoyed that. That's just a really wonderful thing, is the enjoyment. I always find myself around Jim because he is a doer. Like you said earlier, he's so busy doing all the time. I sometimes just say relax can we just enjoy being right now and not the doing but he's also taught me to enjoy the beingness while I am in the doing because that's possible too I found that I can be in that peace and stillness even as I'm in motion and in the doing I just find it easier when I'm not physically doing but I know I can experience that while I am physically doing so as we go forward this evening, find that peace within. Find that beingness in the doing, in the stillness, whatever that is. Loving's always in motion. Even when it's still, if you really look, it's not truly still. It's just simply a calm in that river of loving, a very peaceful, meandering part of the river. But if you keep flowing with it, which you will, because it carries you along. In a sense, there really is not that choice. There's just the choice of choosing into the knowing of that. But as you choose into that, you'll become more aware of that greater movement within. So carry that with you this evening. And for those of you that are able to come tomorrow, please do come. Share your loving and also receive the loving that is present there. And as you've heard tonight, focus on the rejoicing. Rejoice of what was shared during that life and rejoice in the new birth. That is that life now that is going into the freedom and the experience that already is in that place. Tap into that and allow that to come forward and to live that and to remember the joy. One of my favorite quotes I'll finish up with here is from Khalil Gibran in his book, The Prophet. And I don't remember exactly what the title of that that poem was, but I remember the essence of it. And I remember the first time I heard this back in the early 90s is that he referenced into something around the lines of that joy and sorrow come from the same place. And so if we can tap into that same place, joy and sorrow are both, to me, that great depth of beingness, which is all-loving. And in that all-loving, we'll find ourselves loving all. So thank you for coming this evening. And... Um, I don't know if there's no we'll call it any that. more.
0: that's great.
1: We hope to see you tomorrow and if not, enjoy your beingness.
0: and have a very merry Christmas Yes, that's, that's right and we'll see you all next <laughs> Tuesday
1: and happy Hanukkah. Happy Holidays. and a good quality day.